When the festival was ended, they started to return. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at stories of Jesus' childhood and we meditate on what it must have been like for Jesus to be fully human, I pray, God, the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So only Luke provides us with a story of Jesus' childhood. Mary and Joseph, being good, faithful Jews, would have made regular treks to Jerusalem during the holy festivals to worship God. It would have been Passover, and they would have traveled there along with family members and friends and many from their village. It would have been a great caravan, and this would have been not only a look-forward-to festival, but a chance to break the monotony of daily life in Nazareth. So here they go to worship God. Finally, the Passover feast is behind them, and they start their journey home, along with all their friends and family and neighbors. It's a great caravan returning back to Nazareth. So you see, with all these people around, they thought Jesus had to be with the others. It wasn't bad parenting that they left Jesus in Jerusalem. It was just they thought he was playing with some other kids. And then a day out from Jerusalem, they realized Jesus was not with them. So they looked around and could not find him in the caravan, and they decided to return to Jerusalem. If you think finding a lost child in Walmart is difficult, imagine looking for three days in a big city for your son. So they finally find him in the temple, uh, listening and teaching, dialoguing with the religious leaders. At 12 years old, he would have been about the age where one started that religious training, and he was there in the temple. Mary went in, and she said, Why are you causing us so much anxiety, Jesus? We've searched for you. Now, I think Mary's response is very calm. I might have had a different response if my daughters had been missing for three days in a large city. But anyway, Scripture tells us that he went with them, he was obedient, and he grew in knowledge, wisdom, and favor in the Lord. And that verse is somewhere in the middle of where the window comes in. We don't know the details. 
We know it's Jesus and Mary and Joseph and a woman, and I'm sure an art scholar could tell you what the baskets of figs symbolize and what all the elements of the window symbolize. But for us, it's left up to our imagination. We imagine what it must have been like for Jesus to be a child, what it must have been like for him to travel to the big city of Jerusalem, to take in the sights, to eat the figs, to be a young boy. We wonder what it was like to be the child Jesus, and we ponder those things in our heart. What must it have been like for Jesus to be fully divine and fully human? A couple of weeks ago, I was on my way to church, and I was pulling out into the road, and I thought to myself, I really don't want to go to church today. I just want to stay in bed in the warmth of, of this day. And yes, preachers do have thoughts like that. But unfortunately, I couldn't act on those thoughts. I was here. I ignored those thoughts. But I prayed as I was going down the road. I prayed, God, give me a willing spirit. And um, he did, and he answered my prayer. But as I was praying, I thought about Jesus. And I wondered if he ever had days like this too. And then I realized that Jesus was sinless son of God, and he doesn't have, didn't have sloth in him like I have sloth in myself, so that was not an issue for him. But I'm sure there were days when he enjoyed the warmth of his sleeping mat, the joy of his home. There were days when people got on his nerves. We see that in Scripture, when they tried him. There were days when he experienced the emotions that, that we experienced. After all, Jesus was fully divine and fully human. And that's one of the things that we remember as we gaze upon the window that we are focusing on today. Especially as we look to his childhood. You know, there's so many events of his childhood which are left to our interpretation because we don't know. But as that window is a piece of art and a means of grace in our lives, we can connect with our imagination and what it must have been like for Jesus to be fully human. We saw in the scripture reading from today that he knew what it was like to be a child. He knew what it was like to, to play and to learn and to be with adults taking a conversation, to worry his parents, to be a lost child. From the other windows around this sanctuary, we see that he knew what it was like to be a baby, to hold babies and children, to teach others, to experience the joys of others, to give another person religious counsel. We know that was part of his experience. In searching the Gospels, we know that Jesus lost a good friend. He wept at the death of his friend. He may have had a different perspective than we have, but still, he mourned, and that's from John 11. He knew what it was like to be betrayed. Judas sold him for 30 pieces of, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver, and he was betrayed by a kiss. He knew what it was like for someone to betray him, and that is Matthew 26. He experienced conflict. He knew what it was like for someone not to like him. 
He butted head with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Matthew 12. Jesus faced temptation just like we face temptation. Mark 1. He felt abandoned and alone. Matthew 27. These are all scriptural examples of challenges that Jesus faced that we face too. But not only did he face the challenges, but he also had joy and celebration in his life. He experienced some of the good things that we experience. He went to weddings. He had friends. He feasted with people. He sailed across the Sea of Galilee. He received the gratitude and joy of others. He fished with friends. He hiked with friends. He worshiped. He prayed. Search scripture and you will find examples of Jesus enjoying the many blessings of life. These examples of Christ are why the incarnation, which is a big fancy word for God becoming human in Jesus, why the incarnation is so important to our faith. God is not some lofty deity removed from us, but as the Gospel of John reminds us, he is the word made flesh to dwell among us. God is not far away from our human condition, but rather he is right in the middle of it. Jesus is God with us to know our condition. God is not far removed from you. He is with you. He is for you. He is beside you. He is among us. You can find such comfort in the humanity of Christ. And if you're facing an issue, search the Gospel. And you will find Jesus faced many of the issues that you are facing today. And you will see example after example in Jesus' life. And you may find that Jesus can be a guide, a comfort, and companion in the journey in addition to being your Savior. You may have recently seen the commercial campaign, He Gets Us. While every commercial in this campaign does not resonate with me, I have to admire the work of the donors who got together to share the love of Christ, to share the example of Christ with everyone. And that's their goal. Everyone know the love of Christ. Because in their commercials and in their ad campaign, they have a message. Christ was human and Christ understands our condition. And I think that's an important message for all of us to remember. God did get us to become one of us. God understands the human condition. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians about the very nature of Jesus. He says this, Who being in the very nature of God did not regard equality as something to be exploited. Rather he humbled himself in the very nature of a servant. And being found in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself to experience humanity, to go to the cross for you, to show solidarity with humanity, God among us and with us and for us. And isn't that the essence of John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall have everlasting life. And then later in John's first letter, in this is love, not that we loved him, but he loved us first. 
We find the love of God not far away, but we find the love of God real in human form, in Jesus, the Word made flesh to dwell among us. And I think that's an important thing when we uh, look, look at this window. We look at it and we may see many different things. We may imagine what it was like for Jesus to be a child, to have those experiences of childhood. We may look at the window and, and see a boy, a boy Jesus, and reflect upon what that may mean. We may use our imagination. When I look at that window, I see Jesus as fully divine, fully human, the great mystery of God for us, with us, among us, to bless us, lead, lead us, and save us. That is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we think about this today, I can't think of a better way for us to recognize the humanity of Christ than to remember his last night with his disciples. On that night with his disciples, he gathered with them. And he took bread and juice and celebrated the Passover meal. At that table were friends that he was going to leave behind, <coughs> folks that would betray him and deny him. Folks that would need his comfort and care. Folks that he would send his Holy Spirit upon. And as he came to that Passover meal, he reminded them that it would be a body given for a broken world and blood shed for the forgiveness of their sins. Amen. Would you join with me in the liturgy to Holy Communion? The words can be found on page 12 of your hymnal, or you will find them on the screen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. We ask for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And now moving to the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. 
as a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by the water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ, offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast in his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forevermore. Amen. Here at First United Methodist Church, we practice open communion, which means all people who seek to be in loving relationship with the Lord are invited to Christ's table. Uh, you don't have to be a member of this church to partake in communion. All are invited. So we will be receiving at the communion rail today. If you would come and kneel, you will be served, and then we will be dismissed by group. The ushers will direct you as to when to, to go. First, I would like all those who are serving and leading in worship to come and be served first.
Please know that if you have a prayer need in your life or would like to unite with First United Methodist Church, I'll be available after the service to speak with you. And also know that you're invited back next week as uh, we look to the next window, which is the altar lilies. And perhaps we will finally settle the debate. Are those lily blooms at the top of the um, stained glass windows or are those bunny rabbit ears? <laughs> And now, if you would stand for the benediction. <clears throat> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Lord.